Let us pray. So Father, even now on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask that you would come among us by your spirit and do your good and gracious work in and through us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good morning, everyone. And good morning to everyone watching via the live stream. So glad that you're with us this morning. I invite you to take out your Bibles or devices and turn to Acts chapter 2. Obviously, today is Pentecost Sunday, um, one of the few Sundays of the year when we get to wear red vestments and have a red altar frontal. And um, red is my favorite color, so I look forward to that very much for maybe some selfish reasons, too. Um, But today is Pentecost Sunday when we celebrate and observe the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church as recorded in Acts chapter 2. And thanks to all of you who were read today in observance of Pentecost. Pentecost is the fulfillment of Jesus' promises from today's gospel reading that Deacon Julie just read a little while ago. In John 14, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus said these words to his disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. It is also, Pentecost is also the beginning of of the fulfillment of Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 12, backing up just a few verses from what we just read, where we read again, Jesus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do also, in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. The outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost is also in fulfillment of Jesus' words to disciples immediately before his ascension. So we see this continuing fulfillment of of prophecy here. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, we read, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then continuing in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So these disciples that Jesus spoke these words to do exactly what Jesus commanded them to do. Despite not having a full understanding of what was to come, I mean, how could they have understood what was to come? They had no frame of reference for all that was taking place. And and from their frame of reference, from a temporal frame of reference, they were seemingly in uncharted waters. But despite that, they remained steadfastly in Jerusalem, waiting together and in in prayer and in expectation. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 tells us, all these with one accord. Did you hear that? All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. And then jumping forward to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Don't overlook the significance of what we read in those two verses. There's an important lesson here. They are waiting together 
In one accord, that means in godly unity. And they're engaged together in prayer. Prayerful waiting, prayerful expectation of what God was going to do. And in that prayer-filled place of expectant unity, the Holy Spirit comes in great power. This is the setting. This is the context for everything that happens. But what is God's purpose in all of this? What is God's purpose for Pentecost? When the Spirit came, there was supernatural phenomenon from God. There came from heaven a sound like a rushing wind filling the house. What happened and what appeared like fire came down, dividing and resting upon each of them individually. But these phenomena should not be the primary focus. Rather, our focus needs to be on what happens next. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, unlearned languages, as the Holy Spirit enabled them. They were all filled. The term is interchangeable with baptized because Jesus uses that in Acts 1.8 to refer to this very event. They were all filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit just as Jesus had told them that it would be. And they spilled out of the place where they were meeting most likely into the area around the temple, although scripture is not perfectly clear on that. But that is the likely place because for the Feast of Pentecost, which was a harvest festival, the area around the temple would have been filled with pilgrims because this was one of three times each year when all Jewish men were required to come to the temple and offer sacrifices to God. And they spill out into this temple area and the attention of these pilgrims that are there for this harvest festival was riveted by hearing the wonderful words of God declared in their own languages by these disciples of Jesus who they knew did not naturally speak these languages. But what is the meaning and the purpose of all of this? I think there are two purposes that we want to focus on today. The first is this, the outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost is the fulfillment of prophecy. Peter makes this clear in his sermon to the Jewish onlookers that day that we read of in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21, where Peter says to them, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. That's critical for our understanding. In the Old Testament, step back with me for for a moment, if you will. The Spirit of God came upon or filled believers for specific purposes, specific individual believers. Sometimes this was something permanent. At other times, it was something temporary. But these Old Testament believers were empowered for a specific task, And interestingly, almost without exception, when you go back through the Old Testament record, when the Spirit of God came upon or filled an individual, the way that people knew this had happened was that they prophesied. They engaged in some form of prophetic speech, if you will. Think of it this way. God is invisible, and it's something we're very familiar with around us. The wind is invisible. Invisible, But you know the wind is present 
by the impact of the wind on those things we see around us, the leaves and the trees moving and, and the grass blowing in the fields and the wind messing up your hair. In a similar way, God who is invisible, when the God the Spirit would come upon people, people knew that the Spirit had come upon those that they were observing because of the Spirit's impact on them, and they spoke prophetically. They spoke prophetically as we look in the Old Testament, even when that wasn't the main purpose for which God was empowering them. Here are some Old Testament examples, and this is not an exclusive list. Bezalel and Aholiab in Exodus 31 Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson in the book of Judge, excuse me, Samuel in the book of Judges, Amasai, Azariah, and Jehaziel in First and Second Chronicles, Moses and the seventy elders in Numbers eleven, David in First Samuel chapter sixteen, the prophet Micah in Micah three verse eight. But now, instead of for just a few. In fulfillment of Joel's prophecy through the ministry of the resurrected and ascended Jesus, this gift and empowerment of the Holy Spirit is potentially available to all of God's people, all who are new creations in Christ. But it's not automatic. Now let me be clear as possible. At the moment of salvation, at the moment of regeneration, the Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell every believer. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us at that moment. That's a non-negotiable. That is the clearest mark which delineates a Christian from an unbeliever. Romans 8, 9, St. Paul writes, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But the indwelling of the spirit is not the same as being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. One, the indwelling is an integral work and part of God's work in us at regeneration, at salvation. The other as we look at the biblical account, both as prophesied throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament record, is a distinct work of empowerment in the believer's life. It's the idea of being filled, of overflowing with the Spirit of God himself. And it's interesting here where Jesus uses the word, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It indicates action. It indicates a work of God. It indicates action that God is doing something by his grace. As Killian MacDonald, who's a Catholic Benedictine scholar who's done a lot of work in this area, um, who's very old at this point, says it is a, it's a bursting forth of the presence of the Spirit which is already in our lives, but there's this filling and bursting forth even a release of the fullness of God in our lives. In addition to fulfilling Joel's prophecy, this is also what we see here as a fulfillment of Moses' words in Numbers 11, which I just mentioned with the 70 elders a little while ago, where in Numbers eleven twenty nine, Moses prophetically says that, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. 
and the fulfillment of Jesus' promises both in John 14 and Acts 1 are also seen here. And what is happening, brothers and sisters, is that with the day of Pentecost, a new day has dawned, and we see this promise of the Spirit foretold for centuries, expanding through God's people, and we see the gospel mission going out throughout the known word world, excuse me, just as Jesus had said, you will, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's our wood bridge. Judea, the Northern Virginia area, perhaps Samaria, our nation and to the ends of the earth. And God does fulfill Jesus' promise and pour out his spirit on all people groups. As we see this developing in the book of Acts, Jewish and Gentile believers alike. And it's a fulfillment of prophecy and God's promises through the resurrected and ascended Jesus. And the second purpose for this outpouring, this filling of the Holy Spirit, beginning on the day of Pentecost... It is God's means. It is God's design for effectively evangelizing the world. There are many wonderful blessings that come with the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And thanks be to God for them. But somehow in some circles, this has become a bless me club. And it's all about me and what God's going to bless me with. And that's not, that's, not, that's not God's design at all. And this fullness of the Spirit is, hear me, by God's grace. Not a cause for pride. I like what John Gunstone, the late Church of England priest in the Diocese of Manchester, who was, did a lot of writing in this area, said, it is not a promotion from being a second-class to a first-class Christian. God's gracious blessings can never be confused with God's purpose in filling us with the Holy Spirit, which is this. God's purpose, God's design, is to empower us to be effective witnesses in both word and action. Again, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Not witnesses through our good ideas or our great plans or our humanly devised programs. Not witnesses merely through eloquence of speech, which we work to cultivate. Not witnesses by trying to implement what we have just read in the latest book on church growth strategies, but witnesses in and through the power of the Holy Spirit of God himself working in us and flowing out from us and through us so that it's not us and our efforts and the frailty of our flesh, but it is the power and the presence of God flowing out from us that touches people and transforms people and makes the gospel message come alive in their lives. Witnesses not just through words, although powerful proclamation is critical here, but also 
through signs and wonders, through prophecies and miracles and healings and all those kinds of things which are part of God's word and will not cease until Christ returns. But also through evidence of our lives and the entire community of believers being transformed more and more into the image of God through the working of the Spirit. Through evidence by not watering down the call and the demands of radical discipleship in Christ. If you look at the day of Pentecost, what St. Peter said to those onlookers as he explained and declared the gospel, he didn't water anything down. As a matter of fact, what he said was pretty in your face, considering his audience. Evidence is by more fully devoting ourselves to community and to prayer and being committed to one another. Evidence is by sharing and showing compassion to those in need, not only spiritual need, but physical need as well. But all of this done in and through the power of the Holy Spirit and not in our own strength. And that brings us back to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, which I just referenced. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18 with me. Quoting the prophet Joel, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And then continuing in verse 21, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then Peter says even more in verse 39, because he says this, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. When we look at what Peter says here in context, this speaks not only of salvation, but also of this outpouring, this fullness, this work of the Holy Spirit. We know this in part because Peter is pointing to Joel's prophecy and he is also explaining what has just happened, which is this miraculous outpouring of the Spirit and them speaking the wonderful words of God in unlearned languages. I like what New Testament scholar Craig Keener says about this. Luke does not envision the outpouring of the Spirit as a past temporary gift. If Luke does not regard it as still available, then by his argument, God's calling, the new era, and the availability of salvation must also be retracted. This is not something that is just for the early church, or just in the past, or just for the New Testament era. And your children... And for all who are far off, everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to be about our father's business in the way that he calls us to be about his business, if we are to be about our father's business through the means that he has and is providing, that 
that means that we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to have this wonderful work of God in our lives. And we need to, it's not a a once for all thing, but then St. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we need to keep on being filled. Keep on, continue being filled with the Spirit of God. I know in my life, in my walk with the Lord, that being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit was transformative. Yes, I was a believer. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I want to be about God's work. I'm going to date myself here, but I can tell you, back in March of 1988, just a couple years ago, when God did this wonderful work in my life, it transformed my walk with Christ in profound ways and I've never gotten away from it. Yes, keep on being filled. But I, I, I remember at that time coming in contact with some, some Methodist friends, folks who I profoundly impacted my life, who I still keep in touch with some. Uh, one's a retired Methodist pastor living in North Carolina. Um, another is a um, guy who did music ministry with him, who originally was from a Southern Baptist background. But I, I saw something in them as I encountered my friends John and Kenny, as, and they're both in their late 60s and in their 70s now. I tell people I knew John when he still had hair on his head. But, but what I saw in them, God used to stir a hunger in me because I saw something in their walk with Christ that was missing in my life at the time. And God burned a hunger in me, not because of people, but because of what he was doing through them and through others as well. And the fullness of the Spirit, in a sense, opened a whole other dimension, if you will, in my Christian life. And I remember those, those wonderful days of that period. And, and, and it's not about just living in the past and resting on our laurels, but, but God changed my walk with Christ. God changed how I interacted even with other people because of Christ's work in me. It's not about me. It's God's grace. It's God's mercy. But it's also God's will for all of us. So my prayer today, and perhaps as this COVID stuff lifts, we can have some nights to wait in the presence of the Lord to be filled or refilled together as a congregation. That's my heart's desire. And... You can clap for that, yes. My heart's desire had been to do that a long time ago, but there seems to have been this little break in things called COVID. But, <laughs> but, but that we could wait and bask in God's presence, not to make it a bless me club, but that we can be filled and refilled and empowered to do God's work and reach this community right down the hill with the life of Christ. Do you think we're going to convince Muslims of the gospel through our eloquence of speech and our theological arguments? No, they need to encounter the power and the presence of Jesus flowing through us and they will come. What about the Buddhist and the Hindu and so many others that our community is so diverse? We need the life and the power of Jesus Christ flowing through us so that people are touched and healed and set free for God's glory. 
So would you continue praying with me to that end and praying for yourselves and praying for this church that we would be all that God is calling us to be in him by his grace and his power. Let us pray. Lord, we desperately need your presence and your work in our lives, in the life of our church, afresh and anew. So Lord, I pray that you would indeed pour out your spirit upon us, even as on the day of Pentecost. That you, O Lord, would come in power. And Lord, that you would continue your gracious and good transforming work by your good spirit in us. So that in you and not in the flesh, we can be about our father's business. We can be about the work of your kingdom. That the transforming life and the love and the power of Jesus Christ to touch and to heal and to set free and to deliver would be known widely, Lord, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up in this community and that this church would be a burning and bright lighthouse set on a hill, a gospel lighthouse, a gospel hospital where people find hope and healing and transformation. Father, we pray that you would do this Lord, not because it's our agenda, but because it's your heart and it's your call to us as your people. And we ask these things for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.